You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, Chicago. Welcome to Fully Alive, the radio program and podcast of the Archdiocese of Chicago's Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity. I'm Dawn Fitzpatrick. I'm your host this morning. And this morning, I have a packed show with some interesting guests. And and our first guest this morning is coming to us from the Pro-Life Secretariat. He is the new public policy director at the the, uh, at the Pro-Life Secretary at the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops, Robert Vega. Welcome, Robert. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Sure. I'm so excited you're here. Let me tell you a little bit about Robert. Um, he worked for a Texas congressman for about seven years, primarily on tax policy. And he was also a coordinator of young adult ministry at a Capitol Hill parish at the same time. Then he joined the USCCB in 2018, serving as public policy advisor in the Marriage and Family Life Office for over four years. And he's now our director of public policy at the Pro-Life Secretariat. And he's been there for about three months. He lives in Northern Virginia with his wife and one-year-old. Welcome again. It's so nice to have you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, first of all, what brought you to um, to the pro-life ministry? Well, the pro-life arena has always been you know, near and dear to my heart as part of the overall fabric of uh, fundamental social concerns that have really motivated my desire to uh, work in the political space uh, for you know, my whole adult life and and even earlier, it's, you know, part of why I um, sought out, you know, Capitol Hill in the first place. Um, you know, as you mentioned, though, I started in tax policy primarily, but I also mm-hmm. did handle uh, various social issues for uh, the congressman for whom I worked as well, including pro-life issues, religious liberty, uh, marriage redefinition, as, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, debate went on and things of that nature. Sure. And, in you know, in my mind, they... Uh, you know, the ultimate socioeconomic being, uh, well-being of society, you know, that we're looking for, it, you know, just really depends on the, in, you know, integrity of, of the family and intactness of the family and uh, you know, respect, of course, for <laughs> human life at its very beginning. And while serving in young adult ministry uh, for several years, it was also just very natural to be facilitating uh, charitable service opportunities with the local pregnancy center, uh, and, you know, engaging in, in fundraising for uh, help for pregnant women uh, on that front uh, locally as well. 
And so this was uh, the opportunity to work on pro-life activities from the, you know, from the direct, uh, from the political perspective and angle of things was really just uh, made all the sense in the world to me to kind of, you know, marry up these, um, you know, convictions and passions and interests. Sure, sure. I'd see a huge crossover. I mean, I feel like a lot of my work here in Respect Life relates to the family and to marriages, certainly. It certainly is a natural handoff. So, um, Great. It's nice to, to know that you have that experience. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that are currently concerns or things you're working on that are certainly our listeners might be interested in. I know often I'll get alerts to, you know, get people uh, calling their congressmen or their senators um, or that we need certain prayers for certain things happening in Washington. So I know this one's been in the news a lot, um, and that's the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. Um, interestingly enough, it actually passed in the House recently, correct? Yes, yes, it did uh, just about two weeks ago on the mm-hmm. on the 11th. Okay, and so that's, I mean, that's certainly big news because they've been working on that year after year, and it hasn't gone through. Um, but finally, at least that's, that's some progress, right? It is to yeah to see it um, you know pass in one chamber is you know the kind of victory we haven't you know seen in Congress in several years but it was on an almost party line basis unfortunately yeah and so we you know see a tough road before it in uh, in the Senate mm-hmm. and you know certainly then also with you know the president if it were ever to to come before him certainly. But I mean, I think it still makes a statement um, that there are people that agree with that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that act would do? So the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act would require uh, that if an infant is born alive upon a failed attempted abortion, that they be given the same medical care as any child born prematurely at that same age. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of unbelievable to think about uh, and, and that, that this actually happens, but uh, there you know, are you know, pl- plenty of stories, both uh, told in testimonies on congressional hearings and then uh, in statistics that have come out from the CDC that there are a non-negligible number of times when a child who's old enough to survive outside the womb is born in the course of an abortion and then uh, at times is left to die, either suffocating in a bag or left alone in a closet. It's, it's absolutely horrid. It is. And so this would simply say that you have to provide them the same medical care as any other child born prematurely at the, at the same time. And also would require transportation to a hospital because the kind of facilities and professionals that are providing the abortion aren't necessarily equipped for the long-term uh, sustaining of, of, of that child. So then they also would be required to uh, see to it that they're uh, transported to the, to the hospital. And this really should, in, in my view, just be a bare minimum right. that we can do to affirm life of children, children that are even, you know, actually born in the, in the last minutes of, of an attempted abortion here. And so it, the, resistance to that for what you know whatever slate of reasons there are really kind of demonstrates the 
extremeness, I would say, of uh, many of those in power uh, who are not open to protecting life uh, alongside us. And it's even if it's you know, dip, difficult to see passing in the Senate this term, measures like this are critical to ensuring that our message and our body of uh, support for pro-life measures keeps carrying forward for the long term till the day that we can see results and we can see change. And, you know, sometimes there's some discouragement there, but of course we just saw just last year, the amazing miraculous overturn of uh, Roe v. Wade after about 50 years. Mm -hmm. So the movement, um, you know, as, as you all know, is very much a long marathon. And so, you know, if, if when even when you don't see uh, passage on the immediate horizon of a given helpful piece of legislation, we continue to beat the drum of support out there and ensure that members of Congress know that their voters care about these issues. And we will uh, keep doing that for as long as it takes. I mean, it's just it's just amazing to me that people, human beings who normally would be all about taking care of children. I mean, these are the same people who pass all kinds of um, laws about how we have to care for ch children at a minimum, make sure that they're well cared for. Um, and then they don't believe in keep in keeping a child alive or giving a child health care when they're born alive. That just makes no sense to me. This shouldn't be a party issue. This this should certainly just be a human justice issue. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. I, I don't know. I, I'm always like just floored at some of the things that people will do um, in the name of their party. It's just it's amazing. So anyway, that's I guess that's where we are with this. At, at least it's, I, I can't. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> uh, it's awful. I mean, this our country's. Uh, anyway, I won't get I won't get going off on that. But it's just important that people know what's happening, and that this this we're we were a little bit closer on that one, um, but we still have to get through the Senate and the President, of course. Um, but it just seems like a, a absolute minimum makes it, it makes sense to me. So, but that's that's where we are in that. Okay, let's let's go on to the next one. How about uh, the Protecting Individuals with Down Syndrome Act? Sure. Well, this is a bill that would uh, prohibit abortions based on the fact that a baby is diagnosed with um, or otherwise um, expected to have Down syndrome. Right. Uh, because as we tragically know, a massive uh, proportion of those uh, who are diagnosed with Down syndrome in the womb are mm -hmm. uh, are aborted. And this is really a, uh, in addition to all the other hor horrible ways in which to characterize abortion, this is really you know, discrimination against the, uh, the dis uh, you know, disabled, disabled persons. Certainly. Well, and you know what, we, we just had the March for Life in Washington, and there was a beautiful young woman who gave a talk from the podium who had Down syndrome, and her sister is a sister of life. I mean, it was just a beautiful, beautiful witness. Um, and it shows you that 
somebody with Down syndrome certainly has high functioning ability, can give a speech, can talk about how important life is. You know, why, why would we just all of, it, all of a sudden assume that that person has no worth? So. Absolutely. And I, I recall a time being so impressed uh, when a, a gentleman with Down syndrome testified uh, before a congressional committee uh, w- regarding similar you know, measures and considerations uh, several sure. years ago. It was just absolutely uh, uh, you know, gut-wrenching, you know, yes. not, not because of anything he was suffering from, but because the um, place of hurt from which he spoke uh, as well to just knowing that there are, you know, people out there that would be okay with uh, preferring to see that, you know, he had never been born. And yeah, it's just amazing. And of course, and so that, I was going to say, I was gonna say uh, sorry, <laughs> go ahead, Robert. Uh, well, I was going to say, and, and so for that reason, you know, we uh, raised this bill as well, both this and the born alive one, our um, committee chairman, uh, now uh, Bishop Burbage, having been elected just at this past mm-hmm. uh, November Assembly of Bishops to be the pro-life chair, uh, had sent letters to Congress, uh, our, fully articulating our, our support uh, sure. for all these measures and, and reasons. And has that act gone anywhere at this point? Not yet in this term, but okay. it is January. This yeah. term, you know, this term, term just started. Sure. Uh, and in fact, these, in fact, on the Senate side, uh, this is actually their first week in session. They got sworn in on January third, and then didn't come back into session until this week on the okay. Senate side. So, it's it, it's still yeah, still relatively early, but we will keep on advocating to you know bring bills forward and not just have it be limited to the the March for Life season and okay. uh, the enthusiasm that comes with that which coincides in january with the beginning of a new term great so that music means it's break time uh so i will see you in a minute robert and if everyone can hang with us through the break we'll see you soon on Sunday, February 5th for The Divine Affair, one of the premier wine tasting events in Chicago. Sample and purchase wines and craft beers from around the world. Attend a wine appreciation and beer tasting seminar while you enjoy gourmet hors d'oeuvres and fabulous desserts. A spectacular silent auction and raffle are included as well. All proceeds benefit Catholic Charities programs and services that have anyone in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Purchase your Divine Affair tickets online today at catholiccharities.net slash divine. Our thanks to Louis Glunz Wines and the Joseph Glunz family for their generous support of Divine Affair. say how can you spend your day with three-year-olds seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow this is a very rewarding job even though at the end of the day we're not the highest paid people on earth and when I have a parent contact me and say my child loves school 
That, to me, I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning, because really you are changing lives, you are molding lives. Shape the next generation of leaders. Teach. Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power. Welcome back to Fully Alive, the radio program and podcast of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'm your host this morning, Dawn Fitzpatrick from Respect Life Ministries. And my guest at the moment is Robert Vega, who is the public policy director at the Pro-Life Secretariat at the United States Catholic Conference of Bishops. Hello again, Robert. Hello. <laughs> You're still there, which is great. Uh, it's so nice to be able to interview people on Zoom. I can have uh, it's it's much more entertaining for everyone than just listening to you on the phone. So this is great. Um, all right. So we were just talking about a couple of things going on in our Congress, and um, there are more things that we hope to see happen. Uh, one of them is the Save Moms and Babies Act. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that one? So this uh, legislation is part of a, I'd say, a, what a, tr a trend that we're seeing in response to the proliferation of chemical abortion, abortion pills now that we're seeing from the, uh, the, the administration mm -hmm. in response to uh, the Dobbs decision, uh, or at least some, some of this legislation had been introduced in prior years to limit the dissemination and proliferation of such drugs, but we're really seeing these strong re, uh, reintroductions and increased number of bills in this vein uh, because of the actions taken by the FDA and the Department of Justice mm -hmm. in recent months to try to push the availability of uh, abortion pills okay. out there. And so the Save Moms and Baby Act in, uh, Act in particular is one that would prevent the FDA from approving any new or future abortion drugs and would also uh, restrict the conditions for the administration of uh, existing ab abortion uh, drug regimens. Yes. Well, and, and just so everybody knows, and they may be aware of this, um, recently a law was passed that may, the FDA has approved um, abortion pills to be disseminated through our pharmacies um, and very, very easily, which would make anybody's home an abortion clinic, essentially. So 
Um, there's a lot of dangers with these drugs. First of all, if nobody's ever seeing their use, somebody might take it at the wrong time. And there's a there's a very small window of time that it's, um, I would never say healthy, but certainly okay for a woman to take that without it causing her horrible harm. Um, and of course, there's complications that can ensue regardless. And then you have young girls and college students um, having to look at their dead baby in their home, which is pretty awful, right? So um, I mean, th- that's essentially what, what's been approved. So um, what we're talking about is let's not approve any more of these type of drug cocktails, correct? Right, exactly. Which, you know, in, in that case, I think the you know real benefit of the bill would be kind of restricting the administration of the current ones because mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know of any you know new uh, new drugs that are going to be coming out. Okay. The, um, uh, you know the current, you know the current, uh, you know r- regimen is, you know, kind of, um, you know, already well well established. But uh, another, you know, another similar bill, the Teleabortion Prevention Act, uh, would kind of also help restore the rules that existed up until recently that would at least require a a healthcare professional to provide a physical examination of the patient because that's it, exactly what you're saying. There are in addition to the obvious fatal uh, complications, yeah, risk for the baby, there's a, a complications uh, for the mother if their yes. health isn't uh, suited for. If they have an ectopic pregnancy, for example, and they don't know it yet, yeah, uh, because they haven't had such such an examination. If they are further along in the pregnancy than uh, they realize uh, and haven't had that, you know, examined and confirmed. Uh, you know, already under you know proper administration, the complications for uh, chemical abortion have been found in some cases to be four times as high right. uh, of a rate than that of surgical abortion. And so you can imagine uh, enabling more people to take these drugs uh, without the, uh, again, until recent existing rules about in-person uh, dispensing by right. a physician, that, that those complications and dangers are going to be uh, all the more worse. And so, yeah. And, and so, the, and that kind of, it, that's kind of the background on which this action occurred from the FDA back on January 3rd, where there used to be the rule of it had to be dispensed by the physician for, you know, kind of an in-person distribution uh, and instruction and examination. And then uh, during COVID they allowed a, a tele, you know, a telehealth and mail order version yeah, ostensibly temporarily uh, when COVID first started, at, and then now they've made that permanent and yeah. created the allowance for retail pharmacies to be able to do it with a prescription. And if the pharmacies uh, successfully apply for a certification, oh, yeah. which seems like it's going to be relatively easy, and CVS, Walgreens, and Rite Aid for oh. some of its locations have all indicated that they're on board. That's just so scary. Gosh, uh, I mean, you know, when we talk about the the other side is always touting that they want safe abortions. This is not safe. It's not safe. Why would why wouldn't you have common sense rules around this at the very least? Uh, what we're talking about is you know think about the fact that somebody has pills in their home and they put them in the cabinet. Maybe they change their mind for a short period of time and then all of a sudden they're way too far along to be taking them and they decide to take them. I mean that's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. So it's um. Okay, so moving right along, what is the bill to nullify FDA action? 
Well, that that is as it says. Uh, there's just one, you know, one of the suite of of uh, pieces of legislation that are coming out uh, as this term begins to mm-hmm. uh, try to counter uh, what's going on at, at at the FDA here. And yeah, you know, I think it, of course these actual bills will not be you know, signed by the current president, but. I think they're the groundwork for an overall effort of accountability that we're seeing, which is going to involve all all hands on deck and all parts yes. of um, all parts of government. So Congress, you know, ultimately is going to have to go through the annual appropriations, government funding packages, and whether uh, members of Congress who are pro life are uh, going to try to condition government funding on also defunding these activities by the FDA could be an issue that comes up. There are lawsuits out there against uh, what the FDA has done, uh, including one that actually started a little bit before uh, by the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine uh, that was targeting some of the older decisions by the FDA that had cleared uh, abortion pills Mm -hmm. uh, to the market that will necessarily now kind of uh in, involve the current you know developments as well so uh so we're gonna have to you know address this on you know all fronts to sure. achieve practical results and you know, the you know, introduction of bills really is, is more of just kind of the you know initial setting of the uh you know setting of the stake in the ground of uh, of, of what those of us who are you know defending life are mm-hmm. aiming for well and then of course we're we're always looking to find ways to help women be able to choose life very comfortably and confidently. And so the Caring for Mothers Act is, a, is one that I think will, will help people you know, choose life. And that requires health insurance companies to allow adoptive parents to temporarily put birth moms on their health insurance so that they can help them to be able to carry that child to term, uh, like I said, confidently. So that's one that we're working towards, I, I would imagine. Yes. So currently, some health plans do already provide this option mm-hmm. to adoptive parents, which uh, can be very helpful for to sure. enable the birth mother to choose life. Um, it does... Uh, only uh, at this time co- cover the pregnancy and postpartum related mm-hmm. uh, health needs of, of the birth mother. And this, uh, you know, so this legislation would make it a, re- you know, make it a requirement for health plans to offer that. And I'm, I'm glad you also just, you know, bring up in general, the Things that we're for right. for helping enable women to uh, to choose life uh, because yes, absolutely when we also the four chairman bishops uh, back in October had sent a letter to Congress as the term was wrapping up and we saw a lot of responses to Dobbs from both sides of the aisle and from both chambers that we're trying to take a broader holistic approach to what it fully means to be pro life yes and some of them were looking at maternal health improvements, some of them are looking at child tax credit, uh, parental leave policies for workers, because that's you know, always a huge concern if people have to choose yeah. between you know, their, their job and their baby, yes. child care needs. And we are, we are for all the above. We are for Absolutely. finding ways to strengthen uh, all of the above to be truly life-affirming and, and really empower women to be able to 
um, say yes to life. <laughs> Absolutely. And and just so everyone knows, I often talk about our Walking with Moms in Need campaign, and right. we're working right. hard to get those in all of our parishes, along with par- you know dioceses all over the country. And this is highly sponsored by the Pro-Life Secretariat. So um, you, can, you can look back at our web um our, our shows and see that there's much on that on that topic as well. With that in mind, we are just about out of time. Can you, Robert, quickly share with everyone how they can get involved, how they can learn more about what's going on with the Pro-Life Secretariat and lobbying in, at, in D.C.? How can they find out more and what can they do? Sure. Well, um, yeah, as my exactly go to usccb.org and there are tabs there for taking action to sign up for action alerts and okay. you can also find your way to the pro-life activities page and uh, find out what we've been up to and find action uh, action alert tabs there to sign up for our you know, newsletter of when to contact your representatives when something's coming up or uh, there's certainly other um, uh, pastoral or ministry of uh, uh, programs in which to keep up with us as well we've been going having our uh novena our nine uh, our novena upon the march for life now as well uh, that people have been following along with okay well that well that's great and i'm always a great fan of what you all do at the pro-life secretariat and it's been so nice to to meet you in the last you know i just met you at the the march for life Um, of course your predecessors were great friends of our office here and of chicago and um, I hope to see you around some more. Thank you for joining us today, Robert. And all of you watching, listening, stick with us. I have another guest coming after the break. God bless. I was covered in sin and-